0: Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music. The world famous WXIN. hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the stadium experience with your host jake on the show we're talking about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 W-X-I-N. I am alone here today and we'll it'll sadly not be time to do your job later on in the show but if you want to call in and weigh in on you know why i'm here i <laughs> not 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 the bruins not the red sox not the celtics you know exactly what we're talking about today but i mean if you really want to go in on anything else or if you want to talk about the Super Bowl that just happened, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787. Or if you are on Facebook Live, watching on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page, don't be afraid to drop me a comment, say what you want me to talk about, say anything you want me to say, yada, yada, yada. Tell me I'm an idiot. I don't care. But anyway, with all that out of the way, we obviously have just a lot to talk about today, so with all that out of the way, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN, and once again, with all that out of the way, we are going to dive right on in. A d'etat between the sheets is taken over this. Oh, my mic's not even on. Yeah, it's not even on. I can't even... Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and it is a... Come uh, on. whatever. Sad, 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 sad day for 31 NFL fan bases. Excuse me, a sad, sad day for one NFL fan base. And what has been a exciting week, a gratifying week, I'm sure, for... 31 other other NFL fan bases. This, of course, is my official episode responding to the Patriots. 41-33 loss against the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52, which I, I guess if you live under a rock, as I usually say when I respond to things that happened days ago, if you live under a rock... And uh, you, you didn't follow the football. The Patriots lost the Super Bowl on Sunday. The Brady and Belichick are now five and three in Super Bowls. If we, uh, which are the ones that matter for the Patriots. I've said that many times. If we want to talk about, include the ones that don't matter. If five and five in Super Bowls, I'm not going to include those because I don't care. But, I don't care about you, Drew Bledsoe, and I don't care about you, Tony Eason. Tony Eason, Tony Asizen, whatever the hell your name is. I don't care. And for being for being victims of Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan. So where do we begin with this game? <laughs> Where do we begin with this? Because, once again, I'm coming in unscripted. Like I said, though, this is my official episode now. Sunday after the game, I stumbled back into the studio, very inebriated from a long night of sadness, and did a very, and did a, a, nah, I can't say brief. Did an episode. Did a a 25-minute, little long segment there. Luckily recorded it. Still debating if that's something I will ever show the light of day, or if it's something I will hide away Forever, within, I will hide away forever on the deep recesses of my laptop. And here I am. Patriots once again, five and three in Super Bowls. And I'm rambling right now because I don't even really want to dive into this because this entire thing just, just makes me so sad. Just makes me so sad. So freaking sad. The Patriots gave, and and of course I'll get specific, but for now just give me a moment to be cathartic. The Patriots gave the Philadelphia Eagles their first Super Bowl. The Eagles have a Super Bowl. Nick Foles, my man in 2012, has a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson from the Andy Reid, the much maligned Andy Reid coaching tree, has a Super Bowl. Great point that's coming out of this game is that the Andy Reid coaching tree is now more successful than a Bill Belichick coaching tree. Go figure on that one. And... Where do we begin? The big talking point coming out of this game has been... Well, A, that defense sucked. The defense sucked. Like they did. All year. Like I was afraid they were going to be. All year. As I worried... As I worried they would be in the off-season. As I... As I worried. Yeah, as I worried I worried they would be in the off-season when I didn't like any... When I didn't like 90% of the players in the front seven. Well, the only thing I liked was the secondary, which... Uh, by the way, Lord behold... That wasn't too good tonight. That wasn't too good Sunday either. But I yield for a bit. The defense that gave up 10 out of 16 third downs that gave the Eagles 538 yards of total offense. Mind you, the Patriots had more, but still, they yielded 164 rushing yards to the Eagles. 372 passing yards to Nick Falls let him let him pass for three touchdowns and let a third string tight end get a fourth Force him to punt once. The defense was just as bad as, well, I was afraid it would be all year. And earlier in the year, when I had Job on, mind you, and I was hoping Job was going to be with me this week to just help me out here. But earlier in the year, Job came on, and I just compiled a list of things that I thought could. I actually don't have that list anymore. Listen, I compiled a list of things that I thought could maybe tank the Patriots season. Things that. Things that just a list of seven or eight things that I thought. Well, Emmy and Joe went back and forth, and we talked about them. And we said, if these things happen, would they tank the Patriots season? There weren't necessarily things I thought would, but there were things we just wanted to talk about. And I haven't looked at this list until right now. I just found it. I thought I deleted it, but I found it. And I was trying to save to look at it. And now I want to take a chance to look at it now. Before, once again, I get into the specifics of this game. I get into the specifics of you know what's going on with Josh McDaniels now, which is really freaking amusing. But things I want to get into. I want to get into this list. I want to look at it. And I want to see how many of these things actually happen Because now I'm interested. Number one was Gronk goes down. Gronk did not go down. Doesn't matter. The second one. Once again, this is a list of things that could tank the Patriots season. Or that I thought maybe I don't want to discuss. Hightower misses real time. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, he missed real time. Hightower was down, and the front seven sucked. The linebackers were so bad, not only in this game, but throughout the entire playoffs. The linebackers were freaking terrible. Roberts, Van Noy, James Harrison was their best linebacker at like 70 years old, roughly. Next thing, none of the running backs emerge as starters. That was fun. The running backs were fine. Honestly, like they, they, they were not huge rushing yards in this game, but oh, I'm not blame the Patriots running game. Nothing on the Patriots offense is why they lost in this game. Nothing. I mean, they, besides, you know, Brady fumbling it on a last drive, but he should have been in that position to begin with. Like the running backs were fine. Number four, Brandon Cooks acts like a dick. Well. That didn't turn out mattering because Brandon Cooks got knocked out with a concussion about a quarter into the game, and he wasn't a dick. He was a little bit, little bit soft, according to some people. I'm not as hard as Brandon, on Brandon Cooks as other people were this year, but that wasn't the that wasn't the problem. Number six, Mark not number five. Excuse me, Mark and Cannon regresses, which was kind of happening for a while, but Cannon also was on IR, and I thought that was going to kill the Patriots in the playoffs, and to give the Patriots credit for anything, the tackle play against the Eagles and the tackle play against the Jaguars with Nate Solder and Cam Irving waddle in there was great. I mean, the tackle play was almost perfect, so no, that was not the problem. No. Next one, Gilmore can't pick it up. Honestly, Gilmore was their best player and was easily their best defensive player all postseason. By a mile. Gilmore was amazing this postseason. And I will give him that. For as much crap as I gave him, Gilmore was amazing. All three games. Titans, Jaguars, Eagles. They were awesome. Next one. Can't find ways to cover dual threat running backs, which... Yeah, no, we can talk about that. I mean, the Eagles receiving Corey Clement 100 yards and a touchdown. That long touchdown, which I don't want to hear about if he was or wasn't in bounds. He should have been in position to make that play to freaking begin with against a Bill Belichick coach defense. That was absurd, that play right there, that he was out there. And everything that the Eagles were doing was absurd. Next, an elastic, Brady shows his age. No, nope, Brady was the MVP. So, yeah, looking at this list again, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, the only thing that really happened on this list that I feel like affected them in the playoffs in the Super Bowl was the lack of Hightower, tower, which was huge. That wasn't the only thing. I mean, yeah, losing Hightower. The front seven sucked. I've told you people that the front seven would suck. All offseason. All offseason. All through camp. I went to camp. It still looked shitty. All offseason. I told you. I told you people about this. And then... Season began. Defense sucked. I was taking the victory lap. And then, you know, they got together for a little while. I thought maybe Matt Patricia should be assistant coach of the year. I thought that for a long time. I thought he was right up there for it. And then... Playoffs come. Last two playoff games. Super Bowl. AFC ship. A brutal for the front seven. Brutal for the linebackers. Van Noy. Roberts. David Harris didn't even play in this game. Which, thank God, because he was a waste of time and a waste of money all year. And now here we are having lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And it's rough. It it's rough. It's it's not good. This is sad. I am sad. Everybody's sad. Nobody isn't sad. And. Now, let's get into the specifics. Let's get into the overdone talking points that everybody's been talking about all week because I want my bite at these things. It's my turn. So guess what? If you're sick of hearing about Malcolm Butler, turn off the show right now, because I'm talking about freaking Malcolm Butler, who, I don't know, if you like to watch games on mute and not pay attention to them that closely, and then not listen to any media surrounding the game after the game, days after the game, months after the game, decades after the game when I'll be writing think pieces about this in my pathetic basement blog. That I'll have when I inevitably don't succeed. Maybe you don't know about the Malcolm Butler situation. But if you're like everybody in the 21st century and read. Or I don't want to say listen to the radio because who listens to the radio. But maybe tunes on the TV every now and then. Maybe throws up an SB Nation article. Maybe pops on to an episode of First Take. Guess what? You probably know that Malcolm Butler didn't play in this game. Not at all. No, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. He played one snap on the punt team. There was only one punt for the Eagles, so it's not like he got benched from the punt team. No, no. He was a starter for the punt team, which is, you know, great. He's a starter for the punt team. And so Butler did not play in this game, and there's been much theorizing, much a great debate, many articles coming out here, coming out there in the last two days regarding what happened to Malcolm Butler in this game. Why did Malcolm Butler not play in this game? And it's all a load of crap. From everything I can see coming at the last couple of days. So to get the timeline straight in the game, once again, Malcolm Butler, not playing a defensive snap, snap, reportedly from everywhere it came out that it was a last minute. At least he was told last minute that he wasn't going to be playing, that Eric Rowe was going to be starting over him. And that was, once again, I, I don't want to say anything definitively because I don't like I don't I don't know for, for sure because I'm not I'm not Malcolm Butler and or Bill Belichick yet I have not transformed yet so neither of them I'm not either of them but and that was supposedly why he seemed very upset during the anthem that was why he was crying during the anthem standing though for all you all you Patriots out there ha <laughs> Patriots out there anywho so, it's both of he was told last minute. And now, since then, there's been, a, there's been a big, been a mad dash of the Ian Rappaport's of the world. The, the Ian Rappaport's of the world. The Mies of the world. Just trying to figure out why Malcolm Butler did not play in this game at all. Not a snap. Did not play in Malcolm Butler, the number one corner for the Patriots all year who, mind you, had the worst year of his career since he became a starter, but why he did not play in this game when they were getting torched by Nick Foles. Why he did not play on this, in this game when the Patriots could knock it off the field on third and long. Why they could not play in this game when the guy who replaced him, Eric Rowe, specifically was getting picked up by Alshon Jeffrey and put in his mouth and consumed before proceeding to catch footballs for amounts of yardage that gave them the ability to get four more downs of football. Why Malcolm Butler was not playing when Jonathan, Jonathan Batamosi was playing. Why Malcolm Butler was was not playing when Jordan Richards, who isn't a real football player, doesn't, is not good at anything. Who literally is not good at anything. I dare you. If you are a Jordan Richards fan out there, call in 401-456-9946, 401-456-8787. And tell me, talk to me like an idiot. Talk to me like a child and explain to me, what is Jordan Richards good at? Give me one thing. Is he a juggler? Is Jordan Richards really good at basket weaving? I don't know. Does Jordan Ribb, rib, does yeah, Jordan Richards babysit Belichick's kids and he's just super good at it? So he doesn't want to cut him? So he figures, might as well throw him in in the Super Bowl, have him play 16 snaps when once again, Malcolm Butler played zero defensive snaps. Jordan Richards, who I have literally at never any point in his Patriot career liked, not at any point. Jordan Richards, who when he was drafted, I was pissed when he was drafted in the second round. Remember that, people. Jordan Richards, who was drafted in the second round. I hated immediately. I wanted nothing to do with him. I wanted Jalen Strong in that draft. So I can't sit here and act like this is a giant victory lap. But you know what? At least Jalen Strong would have been in there blowing coverages. So maybe... They would have been better off. Jordan Richards, who in the offseason, I talked about as a guy that they could probably cut. That day, Who I was hoping they were going to cut because I hate him and he's really bad at football. And he proved in this game. Didn't prove it. It was already proven, but reaffirmed. That he is really, really bad at football. Not, you know, bad compared to a normal person, but bad compared to a defender in the Super Bowl who's playing over Malcolm frickin' Butler. So, obviously there was a reason Butler wasn't playing. And... I have, like most people, been trying to track the storyline of this. I have been trying to figure out why. Why? Why on earth was Malcolm Butler not playing? And... Rumors have been coming out. It was about a curfew thing. It was about this. It was about this. And then Monday, on the 5th, today is the 7th, which I just found out today. On the 5th, this came out from Ian Rappaport. My understanding is that the benching of hashtag Patriots cornerback Malcolm Butler happened because of a perfect storm of issues, sickness, a rough week of practice, and a minor rule violation. Believed to be related to curfew. Period. A complicated matter. And that's frustrating to read. Because to me, I see seeing... I see reading a variety of issues as... There wasn't one good reason for it. Which is more frustrating than anything. So, once again, there have been a bunch of reports coming out the last couple of days that, oh, he was late coming home. He was caught at a, I, th- I think it was a DJ Khaled concert. I don't remember. I don't care. At some kind of concert when he shouldn't have been. That he was, yeah, and then it reports that he had a bad week of practice. Yada, 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 yada. And it makes this so confusing because if it was a matter of, did he have a bad week in practice? Because remember, he was a day late joining the team because he was sick. So maybe, maybe he had a bad week in practice. Can't deny that. But to that, I say, okay, if Butler had a bad week in practice and you decide, ah, eh, we're not going to go with him. I question, and by we, I mean Belichick. I question... Fine. Fine. I mean, fine. That's a fair fair decision I get from logic. But then I question, okay, then why at halftime when you're, once again, throwing out Eric Rowe, Batamosi, and Jordan Richards, and Deron Harmon at corner at points, do you not go, oh, okay, may- maybe we try Malcolm Butler. If it's only play-related. Fine. But then, I then at some point, you have to just circle back to him. When nothing else is working And go fine We'll throw in Malcolm Butler Next reason that keeps getting bandied around Is he violated a team rule Next thing that keeps getting bandied around Is that he violated some kind of team rule Okay Okay I get it I get the idea Behind you need to behind holding players to a standard. I get the point between to wanting to enforce behind wanting to enforce your own rules. I completely understand that. But I this is the question that comes to my mind. It comes to a lot of people's mind. This is not my own original thought. None of this is my own original thought. Shocking development. But if what Malcolm Butler did was so bad, if whatever he did, whatever team rule he broke, is so bad that you refuse to play him a single snap, then why is he there? Why is he dressed? Why is he in uniform? Why is he active? Why do you have him on the sideline? If it's that bad, if Malcolm Butler shit in Belichick's coffee and then punched his wife in the face, fine! And that's just, you have a rule against that. It's written on the do-your-job Bible. Hey, if you shit in my coffee and punch my wife in the face, you're suspended for a game. Then fine. Then don't have him there! don't have him on the sideline then at all send him home do that I'll still you know in the end I'll still sit here and be like well I mean come on it's the Super Bowl you can't look past it for the Super Bowl but fine if that's your culture then fine follow it but then don't have him there And the thing was, it didn't seem like what he did was bad enough to warrant him never playing. Because once again, he was on the punt team. You still threw him out there for a snap. So obviously you weren't suspending him. So what did he do? That was that bad. So that you won't play him, but you'll sit him on the sideline. Unless maybe Belichick is still pissed at him. Over the whole contract issue. Where Malcolm Butler shockingly wanted to be making more than 800 grand a year. Or whatever the hell Malcolm Butler made this year. Not enough. Or Malcolm Butler wanted to be getting paid. Is is Belichick still pissed about that? So he's trying to embarrass the guy? Because I I don't know. Like I don't want to read this and just blatantly be like Belichick was just being an ass. But it's hard. Because every way I look at this, it just feels like Belichick was trying to do something to the guy here. Because, okay, if what he did was bad enough that you need to send him home and that he shouldn't, and you don't want him playing, then send him home. Don't have him on the sideline dressed. Not even to talk about how that logistically makes no sense and that hurts your team, but fine. Like, if it's just that's your rule, he broke a rule that says he can't play, then don't have him dressed. Unless, I don't know, the only reason I think you'd have him dressed at that point is to freaking embarrass him. Because what? Because you want to have him standing on the sideline not playing? You want to have him crying during the national anthem on national TV for everybody to see? It just, it's hard. It's hard to wrap my head around this, how you either, you have this guy who is a, who I think this year has not had his best year, but still is by and far better than any other option you have playing one one corner position right now. Outside of Gilmore, who has been balls to the wall, you have this guy standing on the sideline who's by and far at least your second best corner by a freaking mile to not play him unless to not play him under any circumstance when every other scrub you are playing is getting eaten alive by these eagle defenders when they are whatever eagles eat. What do eagles eat, Nikki? She doesn't know what eagles eat. Whatever eagles eat, they are that. They are that to not go, oh, maybe we'll try Malcolm Butler out here. This Malcolm Butler guy, our three-year starter at corner, our two-time pro bowler, our Super Bowl hero. Eh, maybe we'll give him a look. Maybe we'll give him five of Jordan Richards snaps. Why not? Unless, once again, he did something. And I'm babbling. But unless he did something to warrant him not playing. And if he did something, once again, bad enough to warrant not playing, why is he there? Unless you're just trying to screw with the guy, which that's a dick thing to do. And that also is a dick thing to do to the fans, because you just have him sitting there, have us all going, well, why the hell aren't you playing Malcolm Butler? If he wasn't there, and you just put out a news report that said he punched your wife in the face, and you don't want him anymore... Fine. I get that. Fine. Uh, I might still be mad, but fine. Fine. Makes sense he's not there. He did something. He shouldn't be there. Broke the rule. But, once again, it's not coming out that there was what he did. It's coming out that it was a perfect storm of things. Which makes... Which makes no sense. Because I... I just, I I want to know. And Butler came out with a response. And by the way, before I go any further, I want to make, I want to make sure it's clear that I'm not trying to say that the Patriots winning or losing is a matter of if Malcolm Butler did or if Malcolm Butler didn't play because that's unfair to the, like that, that, that is unfair to the Eagles That makes me come across as a sore loser. So just to make the point that, you know, I'm not saying like do or die. Malcolm Butler does or doesn't play determines if the Patriots win. Because once again, Butler didn't have a great year. He could have gotten torched a couple of times. He's been torched in the Super Bowl before. Yada, 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 yada. Obviously, like, it's not the only difference. The Patriots, every player on the defense, but Gilmore sucked and could have played significantly better. And all that. And all that good sportsmanship crap. But, you know, like, the other part of that, yeah, if Malcolm Butler was on the field, I would like to imagine that maybe one of those, I don't know, 10 third and longs that the Eagles were able to convert, maybe that Eric Rowe got burnt on, that Batamosi got destroyed on, that Jordan Richards got me to yell, why the hell is Jordan Richards playing? Yeah, I would like to imagine that maybe Malcolm Butler would have stopped one of those. Maybe Malcolm, maybe if I'll be generous, maybe Malcolm Butler would have stopped two of those. And yeah, in a game that was a one-score game, I can't help but wonder about that. And that can't help but lead to the second guess. So just to throw that out there, that yes, yes, Malcolm Butler being in this game would have made a difference. Would it be a difference between winning and losing? I want to say yes, but I also don't want to seem like some some sore loser. But beyond that. And once again, if Malcolm Butler did something egregious, like he punched Matt Patricia in the face, and he shouldn't have been playing, then fine. I'm not saying that under any scenario you shouldn't suspend this guy, because obviously there are things people can do to warrant setting your culture But also, once again, is the Super Bowl, I don't know. I'd say that I would believe the team is a little more pissed at, would be a little bit more pissed at Bill right now for not playing Butler than playing him after he did heroin off of the Eagle out of the Minnesota Stadium urinal. But, which once again, I'm not saying Butler did any of these things, but. To continue, yesterday, Butler came out with a statement. And I'm going to read the whole thing. Came out with this on Instagram yesterday, afternoon-ish. I was, on, I was listening to the radio. I was on the radio. I was listening to the radio when this popped up. And here's a statement. I want to thank Mr. Kraft, the Kraft family, and my coaches for giving me an opportunity to play for one of the most successful organizations in sports. I also thank my teammates as we have won a lot of games together and all I know is winning, exclamation point. I have always respected everyone at the New England Patriots organization for, from custodians, staff, and Coach Belichick. And each of my four years, we have achieved conference championships or Super Bowl victories since I arrived in New England. All this would not be possible without think, excuse me, without thanking some of the best fans in the world who have supported me from day one, and always let me know how much they appreciated me here in New England. During my four-year career with the Patriots, w- excuse me, with Patriots, I have always given it everything I have to play at a high level. It would never do anything to hurt my team's chances of winning a game, including this year's Super Bowl, where I visited my family every night. During Super Bowl week, because now we get into the things. Remember, he was accused of going to, like, a DJ Khaled Sir lock concert. I don't know. I don't care. Being late to a – being late for curfew. So, anyway. It was accused of these things, at least these things are being floated around by the media, not the coaches being floated around by the media. During the Super Bowl, I visited my family every night. During Super Bowl week, I never attended any concert, missed curfew, or participated in any of the ridiculous activities being reported. They are not only false, but I've but are but hurtful to me and my family. And that portion of it. I, because obviously, you know, there can be some people who will be out there and say, well, he's just saying that to look good. But to that, I say, to this straw man that I've just created, which is a great argue, which is a great conversational tactic when I'm here by myself because I have no friends and and all my friends have classes, all my friends who know about sports have classes. <laughs> to that, I say, you know, I don't think Butler would lie about those things, about missing curfew, excuse me, about not missing curfew, about not going to a concert, because frankly, if he's lying about those things, it'd be pretty damn easy to prove, don't you think? You don't think that if Malcolm Butler was at a DJ Khaled Logic L. Dickey concert, the week of the Super Bowl, when Minnesota is full of Patriots fans? When Minnesota is just kind of generally full of football fans, all of whom have phones, all of whom have recording technology. You don't think that somebody, that somewhere a photo wouldn't surface of Malcolm Butler. Or that even if it hadn't yet, Malcolm Butler would have to be thinking that, yeah, if I was there, a photo is out there of me. And somebody will leak it. So if you're there, you probably shouldn't lie about it. Because somebody will know somebody will tell you and somebody will make you look like a liar so to that one I say no he wouldn't lie about that if he was at the concert he he probably wouldn't come out and say yes I was at a concert but he certainly wouldn't come out and say I wasn't because once again easy to prove if I was there and I saw Malcolm Butler I'd tweet out a photo of it it's somewhere if he was there the photo somewhere and he would and he knows and he would know that if he was. So we're gonna go out and say it. And then in a week, somebody a week, yeah, in this day and age, in 10 hours, when somebody would tweet back at him a photo of them with him at the the black-eyed peas Missy Elliott concert, would tweet it out right back at him, like, oh, I look like an idiot. No, I think Malcolm Butler knows how the internet works. I would like to think Malcolm Butler understands that the internet works. And to the thing about the curfew, if he said, no, I never miss curfew, you don't think there'd be one Patriot staffer who would drop an anonymous tip to ESPN that was like, nah, dude, he was late to curfew one time. Like, no, he's lying. Like, no, both things he's claiming he didn't do, if he actually did them, they would be so easily provable that it wouldn't be worth it for him to lie about not doing them. Because somebody would come out and prove him wrong, so yeah, I'm inclined to believe he didn't do either of those two things. And once again, those not those have not been the things that were reported by the team that he did. But frankly, there's not been a real thing that's been reported by the team that he did. So, yeah, I'm going with those. Anywho, to continue, it hurt me and my family. Although I wish I could have contributed more to help my team win. Now he did a ba- He was bombing that punt coverage snap though. My team win. I have to get ready for the next opportunity moving forward. I will do what I have always done to work hard and prepare for next season to be the best I can be on and off the field. Probably for the Dolphins or somebody stupid, some stupid team. Actually, pay him money. I'll miss him. Finally, I want to apologize to any offended by language reported immediately after the game during a very emotional time. It was out of character for me and my character. And my character and heart, with God's help, is what got me to where I am today. I can't wait for the 2018 season to get here. I will be ready. Exclamation point. Shift one. So. It's not to say that Butler's not claiming any wrongdoing. Like, he doesn't say in that, I didn't steal Belichick's kid and import them to Columbia. To become a coke fiend or anything. Like, he doesn't say he he didn't do that. So, I'm not saying he's not saying he didn't do any wrongdoing, but the, I guess, the common things that have been being reported that he did, that he might have done, he's denying them. And those are things that, like I just explained, I am inclined to believe him on because I can't think of how he could get away with lying about those. Unless he paid off the entire Patriots coaching staff, excuse me, the entire Patriots staff in general. And then while he was at this little Richard Peter Green concert. I'm out of rappers that I know, at this Peter Green, Little Richard concert, Malcolm Butler invented a machine that sends out electromagnetic waves and disables all cell phones within a 20 mile radius. And guess what? I think Malcolm Butler is a pretty intelligent player, but I don't think while he was at Alabama... West A&M, he learned how to create a device that releases an electromagnetic signal that disables all cell phones within a 20-mile radius. I don't know. Maybe some, y- maybe some of you disagree with me. And if you do, then call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 and explain to me how Malcolm Butler actually has this super advanced degree in electrical engineering. I think that would be the category that would fall under. Explain to me why I'm a silly, stupid idiot person. And I guess I'll yield on that and say that, yeah, that might be a possibility. So, yeah, Malcolm Butler didn't go, didn't do either of those two silly things. So, what did he do? Belichick's never going to tell us. He'll never tell us. So, we get to wildly speculate, which is fun, but also Frustrating! Cause they, because they probably could have won. They put in Malcolm Butler. They should have won anyway, but the defense sucked. Everybody sucked. Malcolm Butler probably would have sucked. Because not his team was playing. But my God, I, I, you're not going to sit here and tell me that Malcolm Butler wouldn't have maybe just one time had an easier time deflecting a ball than Eric freaking Rowe did. Or than Jonathan Badamosi did. Bad isn't his name. That's funny. Ha ha. Easy joke. Or than Jordan Richards, who is useless who's a useless garbage person who I hate. Who I've never met, and I'm sure he's donated more money to charity than I'll ever donate, he's probably a good guy. Went to Stanford, probably smarter than me. But, not very good at football compared to football players, not compared to me, still better at football than me. And I would be friends with him if he wanted. But he sucked in the Super Bowl And yes, uh, just why? Why did they not play Malcolm Butler? It's Because it it either comes down to really two things. Either Belichick was being an asshole about something Butler did. Butler did something, and Belichick was being an asshole and wanted to punish him, but also wanted to be a dick to him by keeping him in the game. Well, not keeping him in the game, keeping him on the sideline, keeping him dressed so he could be embarrassed and not play and have everybody know he didn't play. To just spite him for not signing a contract or something. And he wanted to prolong the punishment and show it off. Be like, I'm punishing Malcolm Butler. We're making an example out of him. He's a bad egg. Which, my thoughts on Malcolm Butler are that he's the perfect Patriots player, by the way. But I won't worry about that for a minute. So either he wanted to do that or... Belichick just honestly benched him because he thought he wouldn't be good and then didn't play him just because he thought he wouldn't help, which seems like a pretty stupid thing for the greatest coach of all time to do. So I'm kind of inclined not to believe that that was the case either. So I don't know what it could have been, but I definitely feel like it wasn't Belichick just being like, I don't think that Malcolm Butler is going to be better than Roe, Badamosi, Richards, or Harmon. I'm not going to play him. I feel like Belichick wouldn't be that stupid. Because that's a legitimately stupid thing to have done. If it was just purely X's and O's. Which, by the way, they made no adjustments at the half, which was amazing. Which was honestly kind of amazing to see. But, if that's the case... Then that's just stupid and pure idiocy and I don't think Belichick is a stupid, stupid person. I think he's a very smart person. I'm a big fan of him. I think most of us are. I think all of us are. So I don't think it was him being stupid. So it leads me to was he just being spiteful? Was he just trying to spite Malcolm Butler and make him look bad and punish him for something that probably shouldn't have warranted a full game? suspension, or once again, if it did warrant a full game suspension, he just decided, eh, I still want to throw him on the sideline and everybody see him cry in the national anthem instead of, I don't know, activating a player that I'm willing to play. Like not to say this would have made a big difference, but like, you know what? If you're not going to play Malcolm Butler, why not activate Alan branch? Why not activate Kenny Britt? Like why not activate a guy that you're apparently not purposely not playing out of spite? I don't know. I'm inclined to believe that it has to be something more to do with that. And seemingly the team is kind of behind Butler. Not to be a baby about these kind of things, but Brady liked Butler's Instagram post about this. So Brady supports him, and I'm sure most of the team does because if I'm most of the team, and especially if I'm Brady, I'm pissed at Belichick. I'm pissed at him. That what I'm ass- Is that he, what, once again, I'm assuming, was he let spite or some kind of resentment of Butler get in the way of him putting him in? And in the end, probably got in the way of the Patriots winning their sixth Super Bowl? And if I'm Brady, who at 40 years old, who just won the MVP, who threw for 505 freaking yards in the Super Bowl to lose... Because the defense played like crap to lose the opportunity to win more Super Bowls than anybody again. Yeah, I'm pissed. And if I'm any other player on the team who has a slight interest in the idea of maybe winning a Super Bowl, I'm pissed too. So I hope more comes out about this. I'm not optimistic that it will because, I mean, organization is still crap, still trap. So, yeah, I'm not optimistic, but... Yeah, if I'm, I would like to know what happened. I don't think we ever will, but I would like to know what happened. But this, this does not look good for Belichick because either he looks like an idiot for just not playing about a personnel reasons, which was No sense. Or he was just being an asshole, which could have cost a team the Super Bowl, which probably did cross the team the Super Bowl. Frankly, if you want to tell me that, I don't believe it. If you just want to sit here and say scoreboard and they lost then fine. But frankly, I'm in the business of analyzing things here. So yeah, Pro Bowl corner on the sideline. Just because of a coach's decision, I question if that affected the game. I'm not going to sit here and talk about injuries or anything. Well, I mean, I will, but I'm not going to blame that. Well, I mean, I will, but I'm not going to use that as a legitimate excuse, but yeah. What do you think of that? Let me know. Please call or anything you want. Let me know about the Super Bowl. Call in 401-456-9946, 401-456-8787. If you're watching on Facebook, on the... Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Drop me a comment. Say what you want me to say. Say what you think. Please let me know what you think. We are all grieving here. Here on the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We're going to take a quick break now, though. When we come back, we'll be talking about a certain reptilian offensive coordinator here and how absolutely hysterical and a breath of fresh air that we needed everything surrounding that is. And otherwise, once again, we will be right back after these messages. Hey, parents, finding it hard to communicate with kids in today's world of ever-changing slang? Hi, son. Excuse me? Introducing the Communicizer. Just strap non-toxic Communicizer to your mouth and go from boring old man speak. Oh, you know, I'm here if you want to talk to 100% off the chain. Text me whenever, yo. It's that easy. Thanks to Communicizer, I'm relevant to my kids again. I mean, I'll fly, boo. And now when you buy Communicizer, you get the auto-tune attachment free. Sounds so hip-hop, your kids will want to talk to you for hours. I used to have to walk three miles uphill to school every morning short day. I love you, dad. I love you too, son. Communicizer is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. AdoptUSKids and the Ad Council. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At arborday.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to ArborDay.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's arboday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable Iota Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? Hmm. Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this, frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401 490 0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. The entire piece of music is played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. My name is Ruth Rusi. I'm a retired teacher. I'm 91 years old, and this is how I live united. I say retired, but not really. Once a week, I read books to children as part of United Way's education program. Reading to a child creates links between language and literacy. It creates a bond between grown up and child. And believe it or not, it prepares them for a better academic future. Oh, we read about frogs and flies and pigs with wings, all sorts of juicy stuff. It's a joy to watch all those little faces i figure i have the time and they have the need and i've always believed that if we're not here to help each other then what are we here for really my name is ruth Roussey. i help kids prepare to succeed in school so i don't just wear the shirt i live it give advocate volunteer live united go to liveunited.org brought to you by united way and the ad council you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy This is 90.7 WXIN. 90.7 80.7 WXIN Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley here. We have been talking Patriots, Super Bowl, the bad kind of Patriots, Super Bowl, the losing kind of Patriots, Super Bowl, the kind of we haven't had in the, uh, seven years, seven years 2011. 2011 was seven years ago. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So I'm playing a song about crying right now. I downloaded this today. This is I Had to Cry Today by Blind Faith. Favorite of mine. Song I can't believe I've been using for the show. But big fan of Blind Faith. Been I'm kind of kicking them lately. Them and their one album. With Eric Clapton, Steve Windwood, Ginger Baker, and some other dude whose name I can't think of right now. It wasn't Jack Bruce, though. Jack Bruce was pissed at Eric Clapton and Ginger Baker for making... For joining Blind Faith with Steve Windwood. Because after Cream broke up, they all promised that. And none of them would make a band without... All three of them. And he was pissed at them. Kind of like how Malcolm Butler should be pissed at the Patriots for not playing him. Oh, boom, segue. All right. I'll stop it with that. I'm trying to avoid talking about stuff I don't want to talk about today. Ah, this could just be an hour of blind faith trivia. That would be just less, less depressing. Just, just so much less depressing. But Alas. I don't get to feel joy today, <laughs> specifically. But something that is giving me joy is the fact that Josh McDaniel is just getting a freaking middle finger to the Colts, which is hilarious. So, Josh McDaniel, so we all accepted, was as good as gone. After being reported, he accepted a job with the Colts, yada, 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 yada. Got his whole staff in place. I don't know who any of them are, I don't care who any of them are. Frankly, I'm not even going to bother looking it up. Probably look it up later when I get bored. But I don't care about it right now. Josh McDaniels, yesterday, hours before his flight to Indianapolis, hours before his introductory press conference, as the new head coach of the Colts decided at the last minute, nope, don't want to be the head coach of the Colts anymore. Called them, told them it was no deal. No contract had been signed yet, by the way, which lessened all you Chris Ballards out there. Get things in writing, babe. Get things in writing. And Josh McDaniels is going to remain the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. It was reported. What's been reported now, though, has been that now that I'm done memeing it up about it. What has been reported is that Basically, he went, and this is coming from ESPN. This came from Mike Rees. I'm not, I'm not. I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm not gonna be able to read it to you verbatim. But I'll paraphrase and cite him in this in the works cited page. Now, Mike Reese reported that McDaniel's went to his locker, went to his office to clean it out, and then was basically confronted by Belichick and Kraft, who sat him down. They hashed out a new deal. He's getting a pay raise. Not making as much as he would of the head coach. They did not shell out stupid money for an offensive coordinator, but they gave him money. And Belichick reportedly told him that he will up his mentorship role with McDaniels. He's going to involve McDaniels more in how how he makes decisions. He's going to involve McDaniels more in... Showing him how he manages the salary cap. Showing him how he manages free agency. Showing him how he manages stuff. Showing him how he manages being a head coach of the Patriots. He's going to be teaching McDaniels more about... He's going to be teaching him more about how to be... The head coach of the New England Patriots. Why would he want to know more about how to be the head coach of the New England Patriots? Is it because maybe he might be the next head coach of the New England Patriots? Or he was promised that? Is that why he absolutely tanked (laughs) his reputation in the eyes of all 31 other NFL teams? I would hope so. For his sake, not necessarily the Patriots' sake, but for his sake, and you just all heard my chair creak a lot, but something that I talked about when this hiring process was going on, when all the head coaches were getting rounded up, was something I brought up is, you know, if McDaniels doesn't get hired or, well, he'll probably get offered a job, but if McDaniels doesn't take a job, if McDaniels is still the offensive coordinator of the Patriots come the 2018-19 to season, then that starts to make me really consider, you know, is McDaniels being trained to be the heir apparent to Belichick? Which I said, and I said that I would talk about that. And it happened. I'm surprised that it happened. I didn't expect it to happen after he took the Colts job. But which I thought was as good a place as any for him to land. But yeah, if that's the case, then yeah, obviously I have to start to wonder now, like, is that, is that what he's doing? Is Josh McDaniels now the next guy in line? Not necessarily. I won't start to speculate on a timeline necessarily. I'm not going to say, oh, is he gonna be head coach next year. It's going to be in two years, but is he eventually going to be the guy? Is he now being groomed, which which we all kind of thought he was being before, but now he's apparently, you know, more is being put into it. At least he said he will. Who knows if he will. Maybe Bill will see him tomorrow and just spit in his face and say, you're stuck with me forever, and then brand him or something. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah I, I have to, yeah, I have to wonder. Like, when I'm reading, you know, the word mentorship, and like it's being expanded and all that. Yeah, I have to question. Is Josh McDaniels now in line to be the next coach in the New England Patriots? Which I'm not saying is something that I would want or wouldn't want. I'm not coming at this. I'm not gonna come out here and say, like, oh, I would love that or I would hate that because it all comes down to what Bill thinks. <laughs> like I I will as much as I'm mad about the Malcolm Butler thing, I still trust trust Bill Belichick. To some degree. To most degrees. But Yeah, is McDaniels getting set up? Like, are they next year going to draft a quarterback or this year draft a quarterback that will be McDaniels guy and then Brady and Belichick stick around for a year, two more years, retire. McDaniels is the guy. I don't know. Obviously, they can't actually agree on a deal because that's not legal at all, even a little bit. But you know, if they agree to, to, to this as the deal that when Belichick is, is bored and doesn't want to be the coach anymore, yeah, is McDaniels the next guy? Are they setting him up to be the next guy? Because I, for McDaniels' sake, I would hope he wouldn't do this without some kind of guarantee because, like I said, he's probably tanked his perception in the eyes of all the other teams. I mean, today now you had his agent. Bob Lamont, which does not sound like a real man's name. I'm still convinced isn't a real guy's name. He told Sports Business Journal, my word is my bond. Once you break that, there's nothing left. Said that he was stunned yesterday when he told me he would not accept the Colts job. When he got the phone call from McDaniels, he expected it was a question about just how to handle something regarding the job. But nope. Him telling him he wasn't going to take it. And my favorite part about this article was the second to last line. This article coming, the article about it's coming from ESPN from, who is it actually from? There's no source. Okay, cool. There's no author for this article. The computer made it. We're all being replaced by computers soon enough. But even sports writers are going to be replaced by the automatons. Best part of this is that, is that Lamont is apparently the the agent of Colts General Manager Chris Ballard, who should learn to get things in writing so it's funny, it's funny because I hate the Colts, and it's funny it's really funny to see them get screwed over after all those years with Chuck Pagano. they thought they might get a real coach and 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 now it's and now they're not now now they're gonna have to go higher. <laughs> It's even funnier. And by funny, I mean, it makes McDaniels look like a dick because they had all of the assistant coaches hired. All the guys McDaniels had picked to come work for him. And then he didn't tell them he was going to do this and then did this. And the Colts can't get rid of them because they're still all under contract. So they have to go find a new head coach and he can't hire his staff. And guess what? At this point. They're probably not gonna be they're not getting their their first choice because that was McDaniels. they're not, they're getting like their seventh choice at this point. who won't have a staff that he likes. So hello Jeff Fisher, Hello Ben McAdoo, Hello Rex Ryan, like I can not wait to see what <coughs> what freaking loser they pull out of the woodworks for this job. So sucks for them. Also, Andrew Luck's shoulder is still screwed up beyond belief. He's still off in Belgium somewhere, like, getting that bad boy worked on, and it's not working apparently, so. Sucks to be a Colts fan. So I hope they enjoy another year of Jacoby Brissett. Maybe Jay Cutler this year. I don't know, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch that whole thing implode. So Josh McDaniels. Not not going to the Colts. Wait a minute. I just found out I've been getting a mad amount of comments. That's weird. Anyway, so... <laughs> what the hell is all this? All these comments. What the hell is all these comments I just noticed I've been getting about... about what that when did I start getting all of these Jesus Christ who are you people who are you people I mean I know you people but I won't dwell on that the Colts getting screwed over is really 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 funny and it's exactly what I needed it's what we all needed Josh McDaniels being a bad person but damn if he isn't He isn't the hero every single one of us needs right now. He isn't the savior we need by him being a dick to some poor franchise that doesn't need that needs that less than anything else right now. And watching Chris Ballard talk about it. I was watching it with Josh Percy earlier on earlier on today. Listening to. Listening to freaking, <laughs> listening to freaking, <laughs> listening to Chris Ballard talk about how Jim Ursay is a credit to the city and is a great man to work for, and, do- and totally isn't also a painkiller addict who likes to go, t- go live his best life. Honestly, so good for Jim Ursay, But still, him talk about Jim Ursay like he's this great hero was hysterical. I loved it, but the Patriots, meanwhile, less less great, but anyway, to see Josh McDaniels do this is funny. Josh McDaniels being back, obviously, is good. I mean, I'm, I'm also just not to, not whether or not I think it's good that he is supposedly being groomed to be the heir apparent for Bill Belichick him being back for the next couple of years is obviously good because I talk about that losing both coordinators at the same time would suck. I mean, I think that they would be fine in the end, but obviously that's still just an annoying transition. Whatever you think of the coordinators, if you think it's more Bill and Belichick than Brady and McDaniels, which I I, I'm inclined to believe because in the end, I don't think that the transition would be a huge deal for the Patriots, that they'd weather it and survive it and be fine. But especially since neither of them took Casario with them, Brian Flores didn't get hired. By the Cardinals, so they wouldn't be, you know, also having to find a new linebackers coach, new personnel guy. So, obviously, they're not in as bad a shape as they could be, but still. Nevertheless, it's good to that the one more piece that isn't leading leaving and that, you know, they'll be able to at least maintain Daniels and maintain that consistency because obviously the offense has been working fine all year. I mean, God, Brady just won the freaking MVP, but and I just assume that if Brian Flores didn't get hired, that that would mean that he would be the new defensive coordinator, and that's just kind of the succession plan that usually the linebackers coach to the Patriots is a guy who steps up, yada, 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 that had hired f- somebody from within and just step up. But now I'm reading reports, and it's been coming out, and it's kind of been—it's admittedly cooled off a little bit the last day or so, but until today, honestly, it came out, which I'm honestly just reading, but still— until today there were reports that Greg Schiano would be taking over or at least was talk was being talked about as a potential replacement for Matt Patricia which that would make me throw up if they hired Greg Schiano <laughs> Greg freaking Schiano who the University of Tennessee fans didn't want that that would have been gross so Glad to see that's not going to happen, but that I was prepared to rally against, and honestly, I just I only just noticed that that actually wasn't happening now, so I apologize for phrasing that like it was something I was like, going to talk about, something that was going to be big, but nevertheless, Greg shiano will not be the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, which is massive, huge, brilliant, and with all that out of the way... The offseason starts, (laughs) which I love, by the way. I love the NFL offseason. I love any offseason in a sport. I love the free agency. I love trades. I'm a draft nut. I love all these things because I'm a freaking nerd, and I like all the wrong parts of sports. I love all the wrong parts of sports. And (laughs) where do the Patriots go? Because they have to do a lot. I think they have some work to do this offseason. If they want to get back to the Super Bowl, blah, 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 win the Super Bowl. Shocking. If that's, I would hope that's what they want to do. But they have work to do. The well, Sorry, the Patriots have a lot of work to do, and that's sad seeing as how we were coming off an offseason this season where, you know, they did a ton, where they did so much more than they do on a regular week, on a regular week, in a regular offseason season. Where they added Cooks, Gilmore, blah, 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 and, you know, a lot of these moves didn't work out for them. Most of them didn't work out for them too good. And it left them where they were. Or they didn't really address the bigger problems like the front seven, like a line depth, which actually ended up being fine for them. But the point still stands. That they are coming off an off season where they did a lot. And now suddenly, though, they're kind of back in this offseason. Still having things to do. And a lot of that is on the defensive side of the ball. Now, mind you, they still have things to do on the offensive side of the ball, and I guess I can go position by position because I have the time, and that would make me happy and smiley to do that. But, I mean, quarterback, a lot of people think they should draft a quarterback, but you finally got finally to groom. I, I err on the side of, unless it's Baker Mayfield, who I'm obsessed with and think would be a fantastic player. I would just like them to wait till Brady retires, frankly, which I know is irresponsible and probably stupid. But at this point, I just want to see them go balls to the wall and cash out every asset they can. If, that, if they can get a player in the first round is going to help them win with Brady, then yeah, I want them to do that. I want them to do that really fast and do whatever they can now. So if they're sitting at the end of the first round and they can get a guy in the second and at the bottom of the second... Then yeah, now the one caveat to that is that they do have three picks in the first two rounds. So if somebody's saying that they like at any one of those selections, then fine. I mean, if they really want to draft a quarterback, I'm not gonna complain because that is a smart thing to do. But the fanboy in me just really wants them to just draft all the players, mainly on defense, to help them out now. Now then on the offensive line, they're gonna they they have some moves they gotta make because Nate is gonna be a free agent. Nate Solder might retire, honestly, from things I've been reading. And if, and if Nate Solder decides he wants to play, and he's going to be a free agent, unless he's willing to take a massive discount, Nate Solder, by nature of being an average to slightly above average left tackle in the NFL, is going to get offered a disgusting Amount of money by teams. And this is not me trying to discredit Nate Solder. By the way, this is not me saying Nate Solder sucks. This is not me saying he's not worth paying a decent amount of money. But the reality of the NFL right now is that average to above average left tackles, your Matt Callies of the world, your Taylor Deckers of the world, guys like that get offered stupid money, get offered top tier tackle money. Because guess what? There are so few good left tackles that teams get get hard for these guys and offer them stupid money like they do with cornerbacks, like they do with QBs. So I don't know. Unless Nate Soldier decides that he really wants to stay in New England and will take, you know, half of what he's worth on the open market, he'll be gone and he'll be making stupid money. And I wouldn't want the Patriots to pay him the amount of money that he's not worth, but that he'll get because that's the difference. He's not going to be worth the amount of money that he gets. From some other stupid team. So if he decides he wants to go. Because the guy has two rings. So I can't even blame him. Like the Patriots. That's kind of like been one of my jokes for years. But that's kind of part of the problem with the Patriots. We're trying to retain some of their young talent. Is that. They. Kind of can't sell these guys on the idea of. Hey if you stay here you can get a ring. Because these, these guys have like oh cool. I have two. Like, I, I already got two of those rings. Like, I don't I don't need one. I need money. <laughs> like, I want money. Can you pay me money? Then I'll stay here and win a ring, because obviously I'd rather make money and win than make money and lose. But these guys can chase money, because they've already won. Nate Solder has his ring. Dante Hightower had two rings. So, like, Dante Hightower was willing to take slightly less money from the Patriots compared to the Jets, but he wouldn't have taken a stupid amount less. So... By that logic, you know, I, it's it'll be pretty easy to see Nate Solder being gone. And that was why during last year's draft, I was hoping they would draft a tackle. Just at least somebody to develop, not somebody high, because they didn't actually have any high draft picks. But, you know, they have, but they still, two of their draft picks were used on tackles, which is Ted karras who didn't do anything and antonio garcia who also didn't do anything so i mean i'm glad maybe they'll step up and they'll be good but at the time i don't know like who's gonna play left tackle well marcus cannon be back i mean waddle is also a free agent i want him him to sign waddle to be the long-term starter but He showed he was good as a depth piece. He played a lot better than I expected. I gave Waddle a ton of credit. I was pissed whenever he was in, but a lot of the time he played good. He played great in the postseason. Waddle was good. Waddle made himself a ton of money this postseason, and that money probably won't be coming from the Patriots because it'll be money from some stupid team that'll let him start and give him money, so Waddle will probably be gone. So, you know, I wonder, like, how ready is Garcia? How ready is Karis? Hopefully Marcus Cannon will be healthy. Cam Irving, like, they... I don't, it's a, it's a barren position. It's a huge position, especially because you know, Brady's, Brady's, get, Brady's getting old. Brady's getting old. Brady's getting old. He's old. I don't know. Like They got to do something there, though. So, What are they going to do with Ted Karras, with Antonio Garcia? And if they think those guys are ready and they've developed them, then fine. I mean, that's the in-house option. That's what they'll go with. I mean, as opposed to them drafting another guy low, but I don't know. You know, they could get to the bottom of the round. Maybe Connor Williams or a guy like that is there. Maybe they go for that, but I don't know. Like they have to figure out that left tackle position. And, you know, the only in-house guys are guys who I know nothing about or guys who I have barely seen. So tackle, I think the tackle spot is going to be the biggest concern on the offense this offseason. And then, you know, assuming, you know, Gronk's talking about retiring, Hoping that doesn't happen. If that doesn't happen, they still probably need to work at that second tight end spot. Dwayne Allen sucked. Dwayne Allen's probably going to be cut. They can get out of his contract, I believe, this offseason or next offseason and save a ton of money so he could be gone. Bennett Martellus Bennett is actually still under contract for the Patriots, but I imagine they don't want to pay him that $6 million, so they'll do something to get rid of him. So they'll have to figure out that second tight end spot, but that's small. I mean, then wide receiver. They're set up. I mean, they have the gu- their guys. Running back. They have Lewis and White. I mean, they'll be fine. That's not a spot I'm worried about either. They'll probably cut Gillesley, like they'll find the guy. Like, that's not a big spot. And then, you know, now that I'm done, you know, giving you all the appetizer. That is how the Patriots are dealing with things. The appetizer. We're talking about. And then you get to the defense. And the defense is Whoa, baby, the defense is where, (laughs) if you didn't pay attention to the Super Bowl and didn't see the score or any stats and just saw that the Patriots lost, the defense is the problem. Fun fact, the defense has been the problem. I have hiccups right now. The defense has been the problem. Hiccups are gone. The defense has been the problem all year. It kind of stopped being a problem in the middle of the year. And I started shutting up about it. And now they were the problem in the Super Bowl again. Because they don't have very many good players. Didn't help that in the Super Bowl, even their good players played bad. Devin McCourty was terrible in the Super Bowl. He's really the only other good player on defense besides Gilmore and Butler. And kind of Trey Flowers, I guess. He was bad. Most of the players were bad. Now I'm gonna go position by position and shit on them all, or say nice things about them, depending on who they are. Now we'll go level by level here. D end. The D end spot I would say is it was a problem for the Patriots all year. Big, I mean, but the amount of guys that the Patriots had at D end this year was absurd. I mean, obviously you have Trey Flowers, Dietrich Wise were the guys who played a lot of this year. They, you know, they ran. They were running Lawrence Guy there a lot. They were running James Harrison there a lot. Coney Ely in the preseason. Cassius Marsh at points. Just guys after guys after guys. And I'll say that on the front seven, I would say that D end is probably where they're decent-ish enough. Just, you know, with Trey Flowers, hoping that Dietrich Wise takes a jump to next year, which is fair. It's usually guys usually have a year or two jump in football. So hoping that he takes a jump, they'll have they have Derek Rivers who's coming back. He was a third-round pick. They liked him a lot. He played good in preseason. So Derek Rivers could be a guy. Like, once again, they have Trey Flowers who's a legit, you know, one side of the line. And then, obviously, no, they're not set. They're not set at that position, but they look okay at that position, all things considered. Like, the D-end is okay. is an okay position for them. I think they'll be... F- D-tackle? I'll say this. Malcolm Brown was awesome in the postseason. Like for how silent of a first round pick he's been his whole career, Malcolm Brown this in the Super Bowl last week two weeks ago against the Jaguars and a week three weeks ago against the Titans has been awesome. He's been awesome. He's looked great. So I mean I feel okay. And I've liked I've liked not loved him for a long time, which has been my problem with him. He hasn't really stood out to me, but still, Malcolm Brown is a guy for the Patriots. And it's fine. I mean, if he, he should be the starter next year going into it. Alan Alan Branch is As good as gone, which is shocking. Seeing as how, you know, two years ago he was a best player on, was a third or fourth freaking best player. Was a third or fourth best player on defense during the last Super Bowl run. So that's shocking. But he's probably gone. But like, the, the D line, I feel not great about, but I feel okay. Like I like that's. That feels like an easier fix. Some guys got to take jumps, but I feel okay about at least the front end of the D-line. Now, where the real problems lie for the Patriots in the front seven and the unit that makes me want to throw up a lot, a lot, and then cry a lot, is, is the linebackers. Who are just, just terrible. Every one of them is bad. Every one of them is bad. I mean, Hightower. I mean, not not kind of hot. The ones who played in the Super Bowl. Not high. Hightower is great, but can you trust Hightower to stay healthy? Can you trust Hightower to play a reasonable amount of games? I don't think that you can. You can't. I I, I can't say I think you can. I say you you know you can't. And. So, and even if he is healthy and plays a full season, that's one linebacker who's good. Surrounded by a bunch of crap. All off season. All off season, I talked about how I didn't feel comfortable with Van Noy as their starting outside linebacker or a Landon Roberts or any of these guys. And Yeah, I don't feel any better. After what they did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know how you can feel good. I don't feel good. And I kind of want to see every single one of them replaced. Roberts. Terrible second half of the year. Marquise Flowers, why is he even playing? I thought it was a special teamer. David Harris. Sucked from day one Which was a huge disappointment For the Patriots I mean Lange Shane McClellan Where did he go Like These guys sucked And that's gonna be a huge thing For them to fix this offseason And I don't know how they can Fun fact We're watching the Patriots Gronkowski got broken the fuck into That will be a huge Huge Thing And One quick second That'll be a huge, huge thing, and yeah, they got—they have to fix that. They—they they have to fix that. Like they—they can't not—they can't not they fix it. That. that killed them all year. Like there's only so much you can do when you have no good linebackers, or when every one of your linebackers is one-dimensional at best. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. So anyway, uh, quick breaking news to break that up. His house in Buffalo, uh, yeah, I I so. I have no idea. Gronk's house got broken into. So that's fun during the week of the Super Bowl. So that's exciting. So just a uh, quick little, quick little breaking news for you there. Gronk's house got broken into. Anyway, back to my over analysis of the entire Patriots roster. So the linebackers all suck except for Hightower, who you can't trust to stay healthy, which is a great combination of players, which is a great combination of things, by the way. So. That's great. And then in the secondary, the secondary, which the secondary, which going into the season all the time, I was complaining, a front seven sucks. Front seven is going to suck. You're all sheep for not thinking the front seven is going to suck. The front seven is going to suck. But you know what? The secondary is going to be pretty good. So I should probably make up for it. In this Super Bowl, the secondary, if you haven't picked up from what I've been talking about the entire show about everything revolving around this team, the secondary played really, really, really bad. It's really, really bad. (laughs) It was really bad. And... I mean, Gilmore, once again, balls to the wall in the playoffs. I mean, McCourty was terrible, but I'm not saying get rid of McCourty. Even Chung, I like. Chung had a rough postseason, but I mean, Chung has to like, so I think they're still okay at the safety position with Harmon and all that. Harmon was bad, too. They're all bad, except for Gilmore, but I still feel good about them. But then, I mean, Butler's gone. Like. guess... Not, not gonna sit here and, and say that, that Butler's gonna stay because Malcolm Butler's so gone. Mal- kiss Malcolm Butler goodbye. Le- get rid of your jersey now. Like, he's gone. Like, Malcolm Butler is as good as freaking gone. So, they're gonna need to find a second cornerback, which is outstanding. Which is outstanding because the Patriots' two of biggest needs going into the offseason are probably going to be cornerback and left tackle. Which are two of the biggest premium positions in the NFL. Which is outstandingly bad of a thing, of a situation to be in. For the Patriots. So i going to need to find a corner. And left tackle and, you know, like 17 new linebackers. But that's going to be dealt with after. So they're going to be dealing with that. And keep the kickers. I don't keep keep the kickers, too. Gostowski sucked, but I don't know. Maybe get rid of him. I don't know. I'm not worried about the kickers. But basically, yeah, I mean, the Patriots coming off of what was an uncharacteristically busy offseason for them are basically going to have to do that again. And they're going to have room. I mean, I believe they're going to have a decent amount of salary cap space. Brady can always restructure, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have to pay, pay Garoppolo, but looking at, just looking at the defense and with the fact that Butler's leaving, it also brings up some interesting stuff. Because, I don't know, two, three years ago, when the Patriots won Super Bowl 14, 14, 14 the Super Bowl in 2014, and Butler played, then the next year, and then you know they got rid of Chandler Jones – you know when they, in the pitchers had, you know what was probably one of the more underrated like young defensive cores in the league with Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Hightower, even oh then Malcolm Butler strut along and McCordy, but he's a little older than them, but still like sure McCordy too, but more focusing on you know these four guys who hadn't been paid yet, and Butler came along, then suddenly when they got rid of. Chandler Jones, it was, well, now they'll be able to re-sign Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. And then, you know, eventually Malcolm Butler proved himself to be a good player, so he was part of that conversation, too. But then, last year, when they got rid of Jamie Collins, it went to... Oh, well, they'll be able to keep Malcolm Butler and Dante Hightower. And now... And then, you know, Sunday night in the Super Bowl, you had... None of those four guys play. Two of them are gone. One of them was, one of them was hurt, and the other one was just benched because conceivably Belichick just d- doesn't like him anymore. Just wanted to kick him, kick him in the dick. I don't know, but it's. It's sad to see that. I mean, it just, I can't help but then start to question, like, how did they mismanage this? Did they mismanage this? Like, is there a common thread to all this? And I don't know. Like, is it. Is it Belichick's ego? Is that what got in the way? Is that. Which once again, I mean, not to, I mean, obviously Belichick is a net positive to the team. Hot take there from Jake, but Belichick is a net positive. But you know, like Jamie Collins was doing his own thing, so Belichick got rid of him, which was fair. But you know, mm-hmm. Jamie Collins wasn't following the system, wasn't getting with the program, so he got rid of him. Butler seemingly wanted money, and that kind of left some resentment with Belichick, and then it all snowballed into what happened on Sunday with him not playing. Hightower's just just hurt. Uh, I was just hurt. And then Chandler Jones got rid of it for money. So I don't know. I don't want to say there's a comment that I was gonna try and make this whole point that oh it's all Belichick's ego getting in the way. But that's not true either, because there's a million other things. But it's still sad to see that they had this young gore and now they're gonna lose all but one piece of it. And that's the one piece who keeps getting hurt. And Chandler Jones thriving in Arizona. Jamie Collins actually was really, really bad this year. So, I mean, but they could use a guy like him, so... I don't know. It just... It's just... It's hard to look at that and wonder, you know, what could have been, how they could have managed that better, because now one's gonna heading into an offseason where they basically need to retool the entire defense. But I'm rambling, and that's enough of all that, and I think it's about that time of day, once again, when I bid you all do. You have been listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Helmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. Or you've been watching on the official Mike Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Thank you to everybody for listening. This episode, like all episodes, will be being uploaded directly to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud page, which, of course, will also then go up on iTunes if you want to re-listen to the show or download it and listen to it on the go with no Wi-Fi. So chuck in that if you want to re listen to parts of the show, listen to it, you missed some of it, yada, 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 yada. You just love the sound of my voice. And as I remind every week, we will be back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 90.7 WXIN on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream as well. And I'll talk about whatever goes down. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. I'm very sad that I'm not going to be able to be on air as it happens, but not enough time to dive into all the NBA stuff. The Cavs are falling apart, yada, yada, yada. Isaiah Thomas is being funny. He's trying so hard to be the leader of that team. It's sad. Anyway, though, I don't dive too much into that. So, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. We will see you next week, 4 to 6 p.m., same place. And pour one out for the Patriots, other fratty drinking stuff. Everybody stay positive. See you next week. Bye.